This is an energy sport podcast. Insightful, in-depth and entertaining sports content from Napier to you. Hello and welcome to a brand new podcast brought to you by Energy Sport. This is the Broken Front Wings podcast, the new Formula One podcast on Energy Sport. I'm Alistair Russell and I'm joined by Matthew Henderson and together we will be hopefully over the course of the entirety of the season taking a look at the races before and after adding our expert view, apparently, and a good sprinkling of wild speculation. Hello, Matthew. Hello, Alistair. Um, yeah, I think the wild speculation's definitely uh, going to be a main feature of the podcast. Especially on the pre-race one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, 2021, the rules have changed, and we have now got what looks to be one of the closest title fights over the course of the last decade. Indeed. Are we excited about that? Oh yes, definitely. Because um, it seems like Mercedes have been affected by these regulations. They've, the the regulation seems to have helped the cars with a higher rate. Basically, the cars that are more they're higher at the back. Um, and Red Bull, many other cars have got quite high rate setup. Mercedes have got low rate setup. So, yeah, Mercedes seem to not have as much of an advantage. They're still the fastest, but by not as much as it used to be and Red Bull seem to be a lot faster than they used to be. Certainly so, Red yeah, Bull. yeah, it's definitely closer. Certainly Red Bull did look the superior car oh, yeah. in Bahrain, I think it has to be yeah. said. Yeah, yeah. They, they've. Um, I think the main difference, as you say, is that Red Bull have upped their game and Mercedes haven't necessarily lost pace. It's just that Red Bull have upped their game quite a bit. So I think we're all hopeful that this is finally the year. Um, yes. Of course, Red Bull, Max Verstappen took pole in Bahrain and looked the better car in the race, but it was just the strategy that Mercedes pulled out the back yeah, that stopped. that's the thing. Yeah, Mercedes are pretty much experts at strategy, it seems like. Um, they they did a stellar job. Um, that strategy of Lewis Hamilton, he didn't think that he, he kind of questioned it a bit in the race, I seem to remember, but yeah, it definitely it worked out in their favour. Um, Red Bull was a bit unlucky. Were they unlucky, or was it the track limits and talking point coming out oh, of Bahrain yeah. was that Max Verstappen, he made an overtake move on Lewis Hamilton's stick, but when he overtook him, he passed him with all four wheels off the track. And it later transpired that during the race, Lewis Hamilton had also been breaching track limits and extending the track to such a degree that it looked illegal, but somehow apparently wasn't, and there has led to calls for clarity on the track limits what what's what are we thinking about that it's definitely interesting um i think if it was the if hamilton hadn't if it hadn't come out that hamilton had extended track limits um i can't remember how many times um if that hadn't come out then i think it would have been a pretty much uh, not even something talked about if yeah verstappen went off the track that's not allowed i think the decision from the fia to, to disallow verstappen's overtake was the correct one However, there wasn't enough clarity from the FIA during, but during the race, um, as to whether that was allowed, um, yeah, I, I think Lewis Hamilton, it's a tough one because, it's the ambiguous term gaining a lasting advantage, isn't it? The, the, yeah. that's the ambiguous part, um, that we don't really know. I I think I would argue on that one, the gaining leaving the track and gaining a lasting advantage, it happened, he extended that and cut that slight part twenty nine times during the race. Yeah, And my view on that would be is that the gap at the end of the race between Hamilton, who won, and Verstappen in second was 
eight tenths of a second. Yeah. I think if you're going wide twenty nine times in the course of a race, you are probably going to be gaining more than eight tenths of a second over the course yeah. of that race. You're, you're probably going to be gaining a decent bit. Um, it just seems a bit. The whole the annoying thing about this incident and this controversy is the lack of clarity from the FIA. They didn't give enough uh, clarity about whether it was allowed during the race or it's not. And yeah, I think that's what people are annoyed about, really. And Max Verstappen has called for clarity from the FIA. I think he said in today's driver's press conference that you're either on track or you're off track, which certainly does seem the sensible way of doing it. Yeah, it it definitely does. I think he's quite right to call call out the FIA on the clarity on that one. Um, I mean, just looking over the race director's notes for um, the Emilia-Romagna Grand Prix at Imola, it kind of seems a similar thing, that the FIA, the problem is they're not saying, a lot of the time they're saying, okay, the track limits are here, this will be monitored, but then they're not saying what happens if a driver overtakes around there, like the Bahrain, and the, the FIA just needs to be much more clear so as Verstappen says, you're on the track or you're off the track. There's it needs to be as black and white as possible. Um, I don't think it is at the moment. I think it's also the places that they're talking about track limits going to be an issue this weekend at Amala. They have also been installing, frankly, huge metal curbs oh, yeah. over them, which are going to do you some serious damage if you don't stick on the track there. I'm wondering if that could be a factor during the race, whether we see someone go over those curbs and damage the floor. And we saw yeah. last year at Imola, of course, what a small amount of damage can do to a car as Valtteri Bottas has pace drop-off during the race. But, of course, Bahrain yeah, wasn't just about track limits. Of course, we had quite a few stellar performances. Who, who was your eye on in the first race um, of the season? Well, I'm very much... Uh... McLaren fanboy, so I was very much keeping a keen eye on Landon Norris. He had a great position, great race starting from seventh in the grid, rising all the way up to fourth. Um, so I think that they, McLaren did a great job. Also, um, a standout performance from Sergio Perez. Um, first race in that Red Bull, had on on the op- the opening lap, sorry the formation lap, his car just completely died, and he was able to get some fired up and figure out what the problem was and finishing fifth so yeah for me it would be Norris and Perez would be my standout performances um but also Verstappen and uh Verstappen had a really good race mm-hmm. he he did he did qualify on uh on pole but he just um through the strategy he end, ended up in in second he he did technically overtake Hamilton but obviously wasn't allowed um I do think the fact that he handed that position back to Hamilton was the right move because then if he ignored the FIA, he could have been heavily penalised and they could have thrown the book at him. But yeah, there's a good good performance from quite a few drivers. I think yeah, Perez for me was stand was a standout of that race because that was some fight back from him as yeah. well. Bad standout was Nikita Mazepin. Oh yes, he turn, turn even last turn three. He'll be um he'll be looking to try and get to at least turn five, maybe six, this weekend before he connects with the barrier. Um, I also thought Ferrari, where they've clearly made a huge step forward, and the fact yes. that Charles Leclerc was able to have a battle, and battle with Lando Norris, and what was quite a tasty battle, I thought. Yeah, I quite, it was quite I good. Quite I enjoyed the overtaking really and defending in that battle. 
Yeah, it was quite clean as well. It was um, it was, it was uh, feisty enough to be edgy clean, but clean clean enough for um, wasn't sitting there kind of on the edge of my seat, hoping that McLaren was wiped, uh, not wiped out. So um, mm. yeah, it was it was quite good. I enjoyed it. And clear Ferrari have made a big step forward from last season, and I hope to see them on the podium at some point this season. Oh yes. But McLaren look like they will be the ones that on the day when Mercedes and Red Bull throw it away and have a shocker, yep. they look to me like they're going to be the ones that are there to collect the win. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm expecting McLaren. Um, I'm not hoping. I'm expecting a podium or a, a number of podiums this year. Um, the win's not out of the question because as I say, if the if Mercedes and Red Bull are not there, like what happened in Monza last year, mm. um, the two of them just had a disastrous race and kind of Bottas and Albon couldn't get back to the front. Um, McLaren, I've got serious pace. Um. I think the best of the rest battle is going to be between McLaren and Ferrari this year. Last year, between McLaren and Racing Point, who are now Aston Martin, but it's going to be interesting to see um to see what happens. I also think Alpha Tauri look like they're very firmly going to be in yeah. that battle as well. They look like they've got yeah. a great package this season. And of course, Pierre Gasly's been pulling out some stellar drives yeah. in that car. And Yuki Tsunoda looks to be very rapid as well in Formula 1. Yeah, they think they've got they've got two great drivers. The thing is about Pierre Gasly is he obviously he got that promotion up to Red Bull in twenty nineteen, but it just didn't work out. He came back to to AlphaTauri and is now doing an amazing job. He won Monza last year. Um, that was a pretty crazy race, but he, I, if he wasn't as good driver as he was, he wouldn't have won the race. Simple as. He held off Carlos Sainz. It was pretty much a photo finish. Um, he's an amazing, amazing driver. He's it's a difficult thing to think about because he's always said he wants to go back to Red Bull, but he's shown that he's in a, he's rap quick in the Alpha Tauri, but just can't handle the pressure of the big team. It's it's almost tragic because he's such a good driver, but I don't I don't think he would manage on Red Bull again. I think it would be I'd, deja vu for him. I'm I'm not sure about deja vu, but I don't think Red Bull will give him the chance. I think given the I, op- I think given the option of who they will promote from Alpha Tauri, I think the next person being promoted will be Yuki Tsunoda. Yeah. And I think it's kind of high time Pierre Gasly has to look outside Red Bull for a drive now, much like Carlos Sainz did. Yeah, and well he's he now managed Ferrari. Exactly. He had a pretty lucky escape to be honest. He was with the Red Bull programme for many years. Got that drive at Renault twenty eighteen. 2017, I can't remember. Mm. Um, yeah, he did amazing. He did decent enough at um, Renault, and then he did really well at McLaren, and has had a decent start to his Ferrari career. So he's obviously kind of broken out and continued to go on to go upward. Mm. I can see Perez being held on for 2022. Um, potentially, I, I'm expecting them to do well this year. Um, it depends how Red Bull feel. They might want to promote Yuki Tsunoda at the end of this year. I don't know. It's I, hard to say. See, I think it would be it would be a tough ask to promote Yuki Tsunoda at the end of the season because we've seen before Red Bull seem to promote their driver to the main team just a little bit too early, with yeah. the exception of Max Verstappen, arguably, but he probably is a special case. Oh yeah, but he started um he started an F one younger than I am now, so you know he's definitely the edge case for that in that mm. matter. I think, for as far as Pierre Gasly is concerned, you'd have to say the smart money would be on a move to Alpine 
at some yeah. point. Possibly not alongside Esteban Ocon, because it's well documented that the pair of them just don't get on for some reason. Yeah, I've I've never I've heard that quite a bit that Ocon and um, Perez and uh, not Perez Gasly don't get on. It's interesting because I've never found out why. Um, I don't know if it's just people stirring the pot and trying to drum up some drama as they often happens in F one. So yeah, I'm not quite sure if that's actually true, but definitely something that's talked about. Mm. So that would mean. And of course, speaking of the Alpine team in Bahrain, we saw the return of the formidable Fernando Alonso, oh, who yeah. proved he still got it. He was running solidly in the points before somebody's lunchbox cut his race short. Yeah, <laughs> what, 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 interesting. What, 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 what do we make of Fernando's return oh, to the um, sport after two years out? It's interesting. I actually, I wasn't expecting it. Um, he's always, I think he always had that longing. Personally, I think this might be controversial, but you know, wild speculation and all that. Um, I don't think he's going to do as well as people think. I think he's going to have a few standout performances. By and large, I think he's just going to trundle around in the midfield. Um, yeah, I I think he's he did decent enough in his first race. It's quite funny that a lunchbox ended his race. Um, that's quite amusing. But yeah, my 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 feeling. I don't know if you agree with me, but I don't think he's going to do as well as everybody thinks. I think he's kind of going to come in. I think he's going to do a lot for Alpine and improve them. I think he helped McLaren quite a bit in that respect. Um, I think he's I think it's going to be similar to how his performance in McLaren, maybe just not as bad. Um, because obviously that McLaren when he was racing and it was pretty awful. Mm. Um, I think this year at least, I think it's it's unfair to expect a lot from Alpine because. Alpine are using, or were Renault, but they've now rebranded as Alpine. They're using still the 2019 chassis, which was originally designed to be used in 2019 and 20, with the view that the new rules would come in in 2021 and they could put all their energy into that. But, of course, the pandemic halted that and they've had to use that chassis. So it's now a three-year-old car, essentially, that Alpine are running with. And I think Fernando Alonso certainly in himself has said that he's come back solely for the new rules for next year to see what they're yeah. all about and see what he can do with that. And hopefully if it level if it levels the playing field as much as is predicted or hoped more than anything else next season, then hopefully we should be in a really very nice title battle with Max Verstappen, Charles Leclerc, Lewis Hamilton, if he's still there, Fernando Alonso. Please give us a, a season for the ages next season, yeah. F1. <laughs> Potentially. Um, it just depends how... I mean, you have, kind of have to think... all the, You look at the, the what their teams are saying, and you kind of think that they're... Um, particularly going into this year, you, kind of, you, you think that they're all going to be fighting for podiums every single race. Obviously that doesn't happen. Teams perform worse than they're expecting, better than they're expecting. Things like that. So yeah, I think it definitely there there could be more level playing field. I don't know if it's gonna be as much as we're hoping. I'm kinda of being a bit pessimistic in that res- regard. But I think yeah, this year he's not gonna do as well as everybody's thinking well this year, but he might I think he might stick around for maybe two, three years after this season. Um and potentially get some good results then. Hopefully, 
we'd like something I think everyone would like to see is Fernando. Well, maybe not everyone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Most yeah. people would like to see Fernando Alonso do well. Maybe maybe you won't if you're um, Esteban Ocon. That's very true. <laughs> improve yourself and then Fernando Alonso rocks up and be like, oh, shit. Um, you know, he's the, the two-time world championship um, winner and one of the most well-known Formula 1 drivers. Esteban Ocon probably could have done with a total rookie who he probably could have done with Mazepin, really. Because <laughs> Esteban Ocon, he's a great driver. He's just... Um, he just needs to prove himself, and he's not really had that opportunity yet. As as big a as big a car manufacturer as Renault and Alpine are, I don't think they could afford Mazepin and the car with all the. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, Mo- moving on. Yeah, talking so about, about say, this week. This weekend. Yeah. We have we're back at Imola, which is fantastic. Oh, yeah. It's a brilliant track. And of course, they've been trying to get back onto the F1 calendar for ye- for a few years now. They appear to have done it. Hopefully, the Emilia Romagna Grand Prix becomes a a regular thing, not yeah. just to make up the numbers when others fall off the calendar. We're forecast for rain on Sunday, which almost certainly means oh, yes. it won't happen. Exactly. But that should uh, be good. <laughs> I hope if that happens, then a slip at Emilia, that's going to be interesting. It's a narrow track. A track that you look at and you think no way that an F one car would even fit down there in the dry, um, in the wet. Mm. It's it's <laughs> a very it's a very old school track as well. Yeah. As for the most part, if you get it wrong, you've got three options: you've got grass, you've got gravel, or you've got a wall, which in many ways does put yeah. paid to the track limits issue. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, that's something that was uh. Obviously, we talked about the track issue, track limits issue. We've highlighted a few corners: uh, turn nine, turn thirteen, and turn fifteen mm. uh, at MLA. Those are ones that they're going to be monitoring. It's hard to say whether there's going to be drama, but as you say, oh, if you get it wrong, if you if you get it wrong, you're going in the wall, and then that's your race over. Um, mm. as we've talked about, they're putting in massive ass barriers, so. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. It certainly will. Imola, of course, I think before last season, last held the race in 2006, which was an epic battle between Michael Schumacher and Fernando Alonso. And there's been... That was the year Alonso won his first championship? Second championship. Second, sorry. Imola, of course, classic track of Formula 1 was off the calendar for, sadly, too long, in my view. But it's it's good to have it back now. And of course, with the classic track, there comes a lot of memories from Imola, including the aforementioned battle between Schumacher and Alonso. But there's also a lot of sad memories, of course. Sadly, in 1994, it's where we lost Roland Ratzenberger and, of course, the great Ayrton Senna at the Tamburello chicane. Track's changed a lot since then, thanks to safety. But it is still the same track, and it is still a fierce challenge, I think, for the drivers. You looking? Are we looking forward this weekend, seeing how with less downforce they manage the track? Yeah, yeah, it's, def- it's definitely going to be interesting because last year they seemed it seemed to be a challenge, and also they've changed the downforce. Um, the downforce this year is now a lot less than last year. Um, be interesting to see how the drivers manage the track. Um, yeah, it there also there's been a great amount of safety improvements in not only the track and the drivers and protection equipment, the 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 car if um. 
Schumacher had had that accident in today's F1, he probably would have survived, um, which is testament to the F1's, uh, FIA's commitment to safety. Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely a better street track. I mean, the Schumacher uh, passed away um, eight years before I was born. So, I'm sorry, Senna passed away eight years before I was born. So it's, um, But he's still, even at someone like me, who started watching F1 around the time where Sebastian Vettel was winning his world championships, that's when I kind of got into it. Um, and Lewis Hamilton was still a new name in F1. He's still such a legendary driver, and Imola very much is tied to Senna. It's 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 an iconic track for good and bad reasons. Um, mostly good because it's a great track, but I think that's still on most people's minds as we go into Imola again. And turning our attention fully now to this weekend, the pr- the tires that Pirelli have brought are the C two, the C three. And the C4, they fit somewhere in the middle of Pirelli's tyre spectrum. Uh, the mandatory race tyres are going to be the C2 hard and the C3 medium. And the C4 soft is, of course, the Q3 qualifying tyre. 63 laps, I believe, of this track. And at the end of those 63 laps... What do we think the finishing positions in the running order is going to be? Who do we think is going to come out on top? It's hard to say. Um, Max Verstappen in 2020 didn't finish a race in Italy, I don't think. Or at least he didn't have a good race in Italy. We went to Italy three times in 2020. He didn't have a good race in any of them. I hope that bad luck ends. Um, because he didn't have a good race in Mugello or Monza. Um, and I can't remember exactly what happened in Imola last year, but he, he definitely didn't have a good time in Italy last year. I'm hoping as the bad luck ends, um, potentially it's not the easiest track to overtake. So potentially whoever finishes, um, good on Saturday, will ultimately, uh, win the race. In my opinion, I don't, I think it's going to be a little bit like Monaco in the sense that qualifying's everything. Um, it's I can't remember if it's a power hungry track or not. Um, I'm sure you can correct me on that one, but if it is, then we can expect to see like the Ferrari struggling. But if it's a more kind of downforce heavy track, then it probably will be good for Ferrari. I think I think it's a mixture of the two, really. Whether it's a downforce and power track, I think it certainly is a mixture of the two. Mm. I personally think I my money would be on Max Verstappen for the win on Sunday because Red Bull. They didn't win the first race of the season. They've got it all to prove now. Yeah, They've got to stop think... Mercedes getting the points on the board early. And hopefully with a better weekend, Perez, Sergio Perez will be further up the field and able to help that cause. But my money is firmly on Max Verstappen for the win on Sunday. Yeah, I think I probably tend to agree with you on that one. Um, Sergio Perez has had a weekend, a full race weekend, to get used to the Red Bull team, the way they run things, it's everything about Red Bull. Obviously, when drivers switch to a new team, they're not going to be brilliant straight out of the box. Um, look at Daniel Ricciardo joining Renault. His first three races with them were pretty abysmal. Um, not very great at all. But once the driver gets used to the car, um, then they can start to show what they're made of. Hopefully, it doesn't take too long for Perez because he 
is a driver that's known for being good on Sundays. He's very good at managing his rear tires, um, and his tires overall. So, um, his driving style could definitely help Red Bull in their strategy decisions and uh, just give them much more flexibility. If Red Bull, um, Red Bull, as you say, will have everything to prove. So, um, hopefully they make better strategy decisions than they do in, um, than they did in Bahrain. Um, yeah. I don't really have much else to add about that. I kind of just drew a blank at the end. And, well, we look forward to seeing how that will play out. We will hopefully have another podcast edition for you on Sunday or Monday after the race. It's been fantastic to have you listening to us for our first ever one. So that's a goodbye from me. And a goodbye from me. Thank you very much for listening and enjoy the race.